afraid now Put me on the stage now I'm ready to rage now I feel like an animal stuck in a cage And I'm ready to break out My time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop This time, like the last time You better get ready to race to the top I'm ready to do this Show you what the truth is I step on the field, it's time to get real I'm feeling so ruthless Hey guys, Jamie here. Welcome to another awesome episode of Mindset with Muscle. Now, we're continuing on with the chapters of my best-selling book, Mindset with Muscle. And this is one of my favorite chapters that I wrote. This is all about controlling your environment. And I really hope you get a lot of value out of it. Enjoy. Chapter 3. Controlling your environment. How your environment shapes you. Environment dictates performance. Callum Lang. This is one of my favourite quotations because it's just so true. The environment you choose for yourself will either help or hinder you in reaching your goals. To understand your environment better and to control it better, you need to know that the way you view your world is based on two things. Your life experiences to date and your current perception of the world. Your life experiences. What you have lived through so far will dictate your view of your life and of the world around you. I don't believe in talking about the world from a perspective of anyone other than myself. I can't know what is in anyone else's head and it wouldn't be right of me to try and second guess it. All I can do is tell you where I'm coming from. My previous jobs and career choices brought me a very wide range of experiences. Spending a lot of time away from family and friends, often in some extremely stressful situations, when my life was on the line daily, means there is a lot to measure my current life against. The work I do now isn't really stressful at all. I love what I'm doing, and I'm very grateful to be in a position to do it. I'm also not getting shot at or blown up daily, which kind of helps when it comes to stress management. My career took me to some dangerous places in the Middle East and on the Horn of Africa, in Mogadishu and Somalia. I have these past experiences to thank for my view of the world today and for my feeling that we should be immensely grateful for what we have. But I'm also aware that some people have had really terrible experiences that affect their personal lives and relationships and their current level of performance in their careers. In this situation, you can place all the blame on your misfortunes and allow them to hold you back, or you can embrace them as the spur that drives you forward. Your current perception of the world. For me... Perception is a fundamental element in shaping your mindset. As Wikipedia says, perception is the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. The way in which something is regarded, understood, or interpreted. We have five senses that we use every day to interrogate, interpret, and understand the world around us. Sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. Whatever we absorb through these senses every day has an effect on lives, for good or ill. But what I find amazing is how much you can control what you are taking in through your senses by making a few simple changes to your life. I want to focus on the senses of sight and sound, as these are the two through which we now gather most information about our world. In an increasingly visual culture, we are constantly being bombarded with images in a way that would have been unimaginable 50 years ago. Our consumption of the media and of social media has to be discriminating, as with food. 
You know that if you stuff yourself with sugary crap food, it will not do you any favours. And, in the same way, you have to be discriminating with the information that you are allowing into your mind. Negative social media posts, spiteful gossip in magazines, these won't inspire you to do more with your life. Whereas following people on social media whose lies have had a purpose will motivate you. Don't underestimate how much a diet of negativity can warp your perception of yourself and your potential, not to mention your perception of those around you and life in general. I've listed a summary of negative things that can affect your environment and how you can potentially turn them into a positive. Negative. Listening to, watching the news compulsively. Positive. Keeping up with positive news. Negative. Listening to negative people. Positive. Listening to inspiring and motivational people. Negative. Reading newspapers. Positive. Reading books that will help you with your life. Negative. Reading gossip magazines. Positive. Finding inspirational quotes and websites. Negative. Following negative social media. Positive. Following positive people on social media. Negative. Watching too much empty calorie TV or films. Positive. Watching YouTube videos and programs that educate and motivate you. Just by listening back to that list, you will see how easy it is to change the things you see and hear every day from negatives into positives, which in turn will help you to create a positive environment around you. It's like the words of the old song, which urges you to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. Other mental influences. Beyond these very personal factors that shape the way your mind works are the mental influences that affect all of us. First and foremost are the multiple distractions that could throw us off course every minute of the day if we let them. I'm certainly prone to this, so that's why I'll turn off my mobile if I want to have a productive hour or day. And the fallout from this situation is information overload, leading to paralysis by analysis. Paradoxically, the fact that we have all this information at our fingertips means that we don't know who or what to listen to. The answer in this situation is to focus. Follow one course until successful. Another factor that might threaten your single-minded pursuit of your goals is the phenomenon of herd mentality, groupthink, peer pressure. It displays itself in many ways and in many contexts. A typical example of this would be if you were to find yourself in a foreign airport where you didn't speak the local language, and all of a sudden there was a commotion, with security guards shouting at the tops of their voices. You would probably panic, look around to see what others were doing, and fall in line with them. If they started lining up, then you would probably line up with them too. This works in a far less extreme environment too. Let's say that in a particular office there is a culture of having donuts on a Friday. Everyone gets excited about the donuts on a Friday and the whole office joins in, except you. Since you aren't doing what everyone else is doing, you stand out from the crowd, which not only makes you feel uncomfortable, but it makes the others around you feel uncomfortable as well. As you can see, controlling your environment in a setting where a herd mentality prevails can be very difficult. A large part of this is because we care so much about what other people think. We hate to be the odd one out, and we hate people to disapprove of our opinions and actions. And yet, the chances are that 10 minutes after the last donut has disappeared, most people will have forgotten that you didn't have one, just as in my story about the shots in chapter 1. 
The most important lesson to learn about the opinions of others is that they really don't matter. The truth is that we are all stars of our own story and see others around us as merely extras. You may think that a lot of people are looking at you and thinking about you, but actually they are just thinking about themselves and their starring role in their own film. So how much easier does it make it to turn down that office donut when you know how quickly it will be forgotten, leaving you closer to your goals than you would have been if you'd eaten it? The real difference here is to look at this end goal. Your co-workers may not like your donut choice, but they sure as hell will be coming for your advice when they see what you are currently doing is working. First they ask you why, then they ask you how. Physical influences. It's not all just in the mind, however. There are physical influences that we are subject to that cannot be ignored, however much we might like to think that the principle of mind over matter applies. I've observed personally that when it comes to physical education in schools in the UK and in the USA, things are very different. When I was at school, we never really took sports too seriously. Yes, there was a school sports day and the occasional five-a-side football match, but sports simply wasn't a huge factor in my schooling and very little of the school budget went on it. But look across the pond to the USA, and a lot of schools have their own stadiums, and college football teams have a huge budget and serious programs of training and development. The USA may have a worse obesity problem than we do, but its athletes, and even its casual gym goers, seem to be way ahead of the guys and girls that I've seen in the gyms and on the competitive stages around the world. I believe this is a result of having a more disciplined attitude towards exercise and sport from a young age and therefore training better. My strong, almost subconscious habits and developed physique stem from the fact that I started early. One has only to look at how Kenyan runners dominate long-distance and endurance running events to see how physical environment dictates performance. I spent eight months in Kenya and definitely noticed that it was more difficult to walk and hill run out there because of the altitude and the thinner air. Add to this the fact that most Kenyans cannot afford their own transport so spend a lot of time commuting on foot and you can see how their environment has trained them up in endurance and in very effective use of the oxygen in their bodies, leading to athletic performance that is hard to match. Social influences. There is no denying that the surroundings you are born into have a huge impact, and countless studies confirm the damaging effect of cycles of deprivation. But how is it that some people manage to overcome these disadvantages? Certainly things didn't look promising for me when I started out in life. I barely scraped my GCSEs. I flunked the last year of college, and if I hadn't joined the army, who knows where I might have ended up. Yes, there are many social factors that may make it more difficult for you to achieve what you want to achieve, but if you can learn to spot them and understand them, you can, if you're willing to make the effort, make changes that will cancel them out. Here are a few examples about how people have managed to break free of the adverse impact these have been having on their lives. Education and job opportunities. Explore volunteering in your area of interest and be prepared to start small. Make the most of online resources and any libraries near you. Low social aspiration. Nowadays you can seek support from an online community if the one that surrounds you geographically is getting in the way of your potential. And there is of course now the scope to find like-minded people in your geographical area through online social networks. Access to technology. Control technology. Don't let it control you. But if the problem is lack of access to it, locate places that offer free or cheap access such as libraries or other institutions. See if your local authority has anything to offer. Access to transport. Unaffordability of transport can be very limiting, but if you can get hold of a cheap bike, 
Some councils offer both free riding and maintenance courses, and plenty of walking or cycling will certainly help you meet your fitness goals. Make these disadvantages spurs to action rather than excuses for inaction. Taking action. In the previous chapter, I looked at the pitfalls of trying to change too much at once, especially when it comes to radical dieting or trying to launch yourself into a punishing exercise regime. The message is the same when it comes to controlling your environment. I'm definitely not advising that you become some sort of hermit, cut off from contact with others and living just in a little bubble of like-minded athletes or entrepreneurs. Balancing the company you keep. We are all preconditioned to want to fit in. This means that the pursuit of success and achievement can sometimes leave you a bit of an outcast. Since you usually need to get yourself out of a comfortable environment to achieve things, don't be surprised if no one is willing to follow you down this route. In order to grow a business, you've got to be working two or three times harder than most people are prepared to do. In order to be in great shape, you've got to prioritise your nutrition and training, which most people are not prepared to do. So you may well find yourself out on your own, but what you need to get across to people is that this is not about superiority. Just because you are not doing what they would expect or want you to do doesn't mean that you think you are better than them. You have taken a decision about how you want to live, and you are acting on it. You have understood what you need to do to achieve that change and you are creating the conditions that will allow you to do it. If that means that you are escaping the herd mentality, so be it. It's a decision that's open to anyone to take. Case study. Justin. My client Justin is the perfect example of someone controlling his environment not by controlling what he is taking in through his senses but by dealing effectively with the information he absorbs. Justin worked in IT and his colleagues were not the healthiest of people. Not surprisingly, when Justin started a transformation plan with me, he received a lot of negative feedback from them. They made fun of the meals he brought in and gave him a lot of stick for turning down the Friday treats and passing on the celebrations. Justin found this extremely difficult for the first couple of weeks, as it made him feel like a loner, a bit of an outsider. But he just kept on top of his healthy eating regime. Six weeks passed and people really started to notice. He wasn't just keeping up with the regime, he was looking happier and healthier too. He began to get compliments and people asking him what exactly it was he was doing. Within eight weeks, two or three of his colleagues started to follow some of the routines that Justin had set up, bringing a water bottle and their own prepared food into the office rather than heading down to the cafeteria for lunch. This illustrates perfectly, first they ask you why and then they ask you how, and how you can change people's mindsets without pressuring them to follow you. It's certainly helpful to belong to a group of people, perhaps at a gym, who share your goals for fitness. But suppose you wanted to take it further, to become a personal trainer or a fitness coach. Of around 1,500 clients that I've worked with, around 10% of them have gone on to become personal trainers themselves. It wouldn't be helpful to cut yourself off completely from the average person's way of thinking. You need to have some insight into how potential clients see the world, because they won't be surrounded by people encouraging them with their fitness goals. Similarly, as I pointed out in chapter 2, it's important to have balance in your life and to ensure your quest to achieve your goals, be they fitness goals or business goals or any others, doesn't exclude your family. You can't hope to exclude every element of negativity from your life and nor should you try to. You can reduce them and increase the positive elements, tipping the balance in your favour. Feed your head. There is a paradox in our online world of instant access to information from millions of sources, and that's that it tends to get filtered to suit our preferences. 
20 years ago, we would always be coming up against views we didn't agree with or topics we weren't interested in because a limited number of channels on terrestrial television and fairly mainstream printed publications were all we had to choose from. Now, though, countless algorithms calculate our interests and filter what we are offered online on the basis of these findings. In one sense, this is terrific. It means we can easily locate the blogs and the YouTube videos that will help us to develop our fitness or give us advice based on practical experience about how to grow our business. This is an important way of controlling our environment by surrounding ourselves with a supportive community that we can look to for encouragement and inspiration. But just as it's helpful to adopt an all-or-nothing perspective on your fitness, I ate a cream cake, there's no point in carrying on, it's not helpful to exclude everything that does not fit in with your specific interests and aspirations. If you are someone who will not accept any element of negativity, who insists on living in some cloud cuckoo land of sweetness and light, the effect on you when you are inescapably confronted with something that doesn't fit in with your worldview is going to be far more devastating than if you had acknowledged and managed negative influences as part of your normal coping strategies. Case study. Changing your thinking. My client John was finding it very hard to get results because not only was he surrounded by very negative people, he was also listening to and reading the wrong advice. He would buy any fitness magazine he could lay his hands on and write out lots of different workouts and routines for himself. All he ended up with was conflicting information which got him nowhere when it came to reaching his fitness goals. I asked him to spend less time with the negative people, to focus on surrounding himself with more like-minded people and to stop buying endless quantities of fitness magazines, but to concentrate on the fitness activities he liked doing. John found a circle of fellow fitness enthusiasts, which helped him to stay on track and change his mindset to a more positive one. He was able to simplify his training and nutrition and focus, follow one course until successful, on doing the things he actually wanted to do. And as a result, he achieved an amazing transformation in the six months that I worked with him. Accentuate the positive. Just as there are some people who will sap your resolve and hinder your progress, so there are others who inspire and energise you. Who these people are will depend a lot on who you are, but it's my theory that they all have something in common. They have all discovered what it is that they are passionate about and therefore what it is that they can excel at and how they can go about this. It's nothing to do with talent or intelligence in the conventional sense. Don't make the mistake that one of my clients made. He said that he struggled to absorb information because he wasn't a very fluent reader. But there are now so many other ways to access information. If you're someone who responds better to things that you hear, then go to podcasts and audiobooks to find out what you want to know. It's all about identifying your ideal learning style, which we'll look at more closely in Chapter 9. Summary Your life experiences and your current perception of the world create your environment for you in a very personal way. You are also subject to physical, mental and social factors in your environment to varying degrees. The things you choose to watch, read and listen to have a powerful impact on your mental environment. Choose them carefully. The company you keep has a huge influence on you. If you can't change your friends and family, change the way you think about them and respond to them. My challenge for you. Pick out three things that you have been reading, listening to and watching. One each that have a negative effect on you. What are you going to do to change this? Tweet me at Grenade J and let me know your plans.